Welcome to the School of Performance. My name is Sean Ashkenazi, former professional athlete turned high-level performance coach. And each week we will bring you inspirational guests to help you reach your highest levels of performance. Thank you for taking the time and joining us today. And let the lesson begin. Welcome to the School of Performance with today's guest, Mike Zayans. How are you, man? I'm doing good, bro. It's always great to see you, Sean. I'm, I miss you so much. I hope uh, you're crushing it in Israel, just like you were in Vancouver. <laughs> no doubt, man. It's, it's fun to see you. It just brings me back like, like this is an episode and we're recording and everything, but it just feels so natural, man. It just feels so natural to see you and catch up. And uh, we've been through a lot together and we've kind of come up together and um, it's great to kind of bring things around uh, where we're at now in life and then just chat it out. And uh, we were just saying before we got to stay in touch more and we're going to do that. So it's, that's already like a, a bonus in my book. And uh, yeah, this episode I'm excited for. Yeah. Just seeing you puts a big smile on my face, Sean. <laughs> that's sweet, man. Same, same here, bro. Um, yeah. Like we, we go way back. We, we played together. We played against each other in high school, had a great rivalry. Uh, we played together in college. We, we stayed great friends throughout and, and beyond. Um, but for those that don't know uh, anything about Mike Zayans, how would you kind of introduce yourself? Do you want me to focus on basketball or what do you want me to focus on? I want you to focus on the person, man. I know how great of a person you are, whatever comes up to mind for you. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I can focus just on on us and our relationship and 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 that first. But yeah, I mean, Sean, maybe like a little bit of employment. Like, what do you do? Yeah, sure. So so basically, uh, I grew up in North Vancouver. Uh, I was born and raised there, and I I played ball in high school. Uh, oftentimes, Sean was my big rival, except for when we played on the the same um, regional teams together. Then we were teammates. But Sean was like one of the best players in the province in like grade 10, grade eight, nine uh, as well. And along with Leyland, I remember Leyland was like grade seven, eight. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I was always the rival. I was playing at Argyle. You were at, um, at Hansworth and uh, yeah, we had a lot of battles over the years and that was a lot of fun. But after, after uh, battling, um, throughout high school uh then I ended up going to Capilano uh university and playing with you and I just remember I have so many memories like the the days like when we were in grade 12 uh like the battles I remember when you traveled and, <laughs> and the ref did not call it and then I tell the story caught the ball and threw it behind his head I'll never forget because I tell this story to some of the kids I work with out here do you remember Ebes our, our college coach would have like fines and he would have these meetings yeah. and uh I remember uh yourself and Connor Mahan who was also on the podcast would try to find me and you guys would show the video and uh everyone on the team is like yeah he traveled like to give you to give whoever's listening a yeah, little bit yeah. of context it was like the finals game within our like regional area in high school where one team would go on to the championships to the playoffs and we were battling it out between our schools so it was like a buzzer beating three seconds left type of shot I remember I got double teamed I, I got stressed out I kind of chucked it up so you guys tried to find me at cap like in college and I remember you showed the video and Eves was always like the the determining factor of whether you're guilty or not guilty and um 
And everyone's like, I remember the whole team's like, yeah, Sean, you traveled, like, whatever, like, talking smack, all this stuff. And um, I remember, do you remember Eve's decision? I tell the story. It comes up. It's funny. Yeah, I don't remember what Eve's decision was. But... I remember, uh, I'll never forget, Eve was like, well, yeah, like, you guys can say whatever you want, but, like, who won the game? And I'm like, bro, that's, like, I can't, I can't, like, if I'd done anything different, man, the outcome might have been different. So I think I did pretty well. <laughs> like, had the refs in their pockets or something like that. But, but no, dude, I remember that. That was, like, the craziest game ever because I remember we played against you guys, and that was to, like, the very finals, and then you guys end up winning the game. And I remember uh, I was fortunate enough to get a Quinn Keist award after that game, but right. I remember going up and getting the award, and I cried in front of the entire school. There was 400 people, 500 people cheering. It was a crazy game. And then I was just like broken after that game. But that's how much we battled to the death. That's when we we're in grade 12, that's all that mattered. Right. Was, are we going to win in basketball and are we going to go to the next level? And that's right. all we thought about. All his life. <laughs> I, would, those, oh, I love those times. They were so much fun. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and just kind of continue on, I guess, for people to to get better acquainted with you like what do you do today what have you done since graduating yeah yeah sorry when i talk to you i could just get caught up and talk about high school forever. <laughs> but uh, i miss chatting with some great memories that we can yeah, so, so after after we played at uh, capilano university together for a few years we had like you said ebs as a coach i actually played four years at cap um i think we're on you're on that team my third year when we came we got third place in bc and uh <laughs> My brother was on the team, Glenn Gravengard, Connor, uh, Lucas Ware. It was, it was an awesome team. And, uh, yeah, I remember that was, that was like our best year. James Lum was there too. And, uh, yeah, we ended up coming third in the province, which was our best year. Um, and then the year after I was there, my fourth year, I can't remember if you were there or not still, but uh, we had I had enough for, for U of V at that point. I played three years at Cap. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I basically played that year and then, uh, we had the best players like Omi Devani. Uh, we had Tyler Lutton and uh, Rob Hogard. Um, a couple of them failed out halfway through. <laughs> like in the beginning of the year, we were like number two in the country or something <laughs> like that. So we were like one of the best teams, but a few guys, key players failed out and we ended up not doing as well. But then I was very fortunate because uh, after the season, because I really didn't know what I was wanting to do. I really wanted to go to UBC. I always studied business. And then I was going to go to UBC, uh, Solder. I had a lot of friends that were, were studying to transfer them from CAP. And um, I ended up getting a scholarship from uh, the, the University of UBC Okanagan, um, which is also CIS, so top league in Canada. And uh, they, they got me to come up there to play like my last year. And then I remember going up to UBCO and just not never really leaving Vancouver and then just going up to Kelowna and then my perspective just changed. And I remember we, we had a lot of conversations, Sean, kind of going into that. Um, but I remember right before that season, uh, the coach uh, recruited me, Pete Karasi, who used to play on the Olympic team with Steve Nash. Right. And, uh, there was a few other coaches that helped recruit, but he ended up being the head coach. And then I showed up there with a broken ankle because I, I was playing right before the season. I remember that, yeah. And then I ended up going up to UBC Okanagan on crutches, uh, crutching around the, the campus. And uh, it was definitely interesting uh, to, to go to a new school, not really knowing people, kind of making new friends, just knowing some people from basketball and then 
being there because of a basketball scholarship right. and not able to play basketball at all for the whole season. So that was crazy. But the coach uh, honored my scholarship and uh, I, I ended up kind of deciding that year, like, hey, I'm in a good business program here. And I focused a lot on in the classroom and kind of changed my perspective from just focusing on basketball to uh, focusing on business classes and, and uh, becoming a lot more serious about school. And then also having fun because UBC Okanagan was a really fun school. Right. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I ended up playing, uh, registering that year, playing my final year, uh, my fifth year and uh, graduating from UBC Okanagan. And I remember recruiting uh, Stuart Wallenstein, which the coach got mad at me for because he caused a lot of drama in the school. <laughs> um, but we needed a big man and we, th we thought he's a great guy and, and still love the guy to death. But he definitely caused some headaches on the <laughs> <laughs> and then actually on the air <laughs> yeah uh, we can leave that later um, we'll figure it out but um but uh but basically i remember recruiting yeah, uh recruiting Stuart and james long and they were my college roommates and i remember doing that and that was just so meaningful to me to have those two guys who were, were friends from capilano who i who i liked and just like we had the best best time ever my, my last year right we got i got good grades I graduated, got into entrepreneurship, which I got excited about. And it was like the entrepreneurial club. Um, and uh, yeah, basically realized after that season, like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to keep playing basketball. I, I was like, would start half the time and I would like uh, sometimes come off the bench. And I mean, I wasn't uh, as, as much of a star as I was at Capilano and, and Argyle, but um I realized like I wanted to get into to entrepreneurship and I got involved. I helped started uh, a few businesses um, after that. And after that I went traveling. So I, I went traveling through Latin America and I ended up going um, kind of all throughout Ecuador because my brother was living down there and he was living in the Amazon jungle actually at the time, uh, going to the Galapagos islands, uh, going kind of all over Latin America and then just realizing like how much fun that was. And then mm -hmm. Uh, I got recruited by uh, a really successful uh, tech uh, accelerator uh, and venture capital firm in Silicon Valley um, through some connections I had there and ended up moving there uh, and uh, not really knowing what I was getting into. And the company was small at the time, but I ended up moving there right, kind of right after that trip. And so, so now, yeah, I've been in, doing this in Silicon Valley for seven years. Uh, I'm currently, this is the place I, I have here in, in California. Um, and, and yeah, I, I kind of applied everything that I learned in basketball and realized that you can apply this to business. And what I realized is my greatest success, uh, was being able to focus on certain things when I needed to, I'm either like the most focused person or the least focused person. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> you know, that really well, Sean, but <laughs> when I have something that I want to achieve, like a goal or whatever on the court, I normally get it done and I do whatever I can to get it done. And. Uh, just being here in Silicon Valley, I got to apply that uh, in the, the business and investment world and uh, help a lot of startup companies and worked with a lot of major Fortune 500 companies as well. And it's uh, been cool getting to travel the world uh, and, right. and also just kind of do this on the business side. Because I realized after university, like uh, I'm not going to be able to play, do sports forever. I actually tried to do a lot in the sports industry at first, but then applied that uh, to different industries and, and have done a lot of specifically in the supply chain industry, which has been really successful uh, for me over the last little while. But um, uh, yeah, and essentially nowadays, yeah, I'm just investing in tech startups 
uh, through a venture capital firm, uh, and and then essentially helping startups grow their businesses. So, mm. so really um, a different world. Uh, I can still play basketball. I was actually back in Vancouver a few weeks ago, and I played in one of the rooms at Kids Beach, and I dumped it in the game. Look at uh, you. was there. Really like, the guys are all there. And like, <laughs> still found the middle of the lane, dunked it down, down in the middle. Um, but uh, I'm way out of shape. So when I'm running back and forth, I get so gassed. It's hard time out, play. time out after the dunk. Like, let's take a breather. <laughs> yeah. We ran like a few games and I'm like, oh, I need to get into the ocean and just uh, relax the rest of the day. <laughs> relax a little bit. No, that's sweet, man. That's really cool. When I when I come out there, I keep telling everyone that's been on Clay and Connor and, and whoever's been on Demi, um, we gotta get a big game going. We gotta get a big charity type game. We'll do it up. We can do it for the Queen Keys Foundation and just to see everyone and, and play around and, and joke around. It's gonna be great. Um, we need to when are you gonna come back? We need you back here on the, the West Coast. Hi, eh? So COVID, I know it sounds like an excuse, but COVID kind of, I was meant, you know, we were meant to do that big trip, like Cali to Vegas and all that. I have a room for you anytime. You're yeah, that was right before COVID hit, but it's still going to happen. As soon as kind of, I want everything to be back to normal 100% and then we're going to make it happen. I can't wait, dude. Yeah, me too. My brother, I, I miss you. And I, I remember we also went on, I went on a trip to Israel and visited you. Right. That was much fun too. You remember waking up in the morning? I remember you, you had the conference and I'd be like half awake, one eye open, like driving to, to work with kids, almost getting like three accidents on the way to Tel Aviv, like because of bumper to bumper traffic, 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, and then, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I hope I can uh, go back to yeah. Tel Aviv. There's a lot of tech startups there too. So it's For like- Sure, but tech is huge in Israel. Yeah, yeah. there's so, so entrepreneurial there. It's a really cool culture. For sure, man. Yeah, it's really unique out here. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I guess what are those biggest lessons that you've taken from from sports, from from college, from college ball to life? Like, what are those biggest things that kind of sports taught you that you see yourself now using in your everyday? Yeah, so I think one of the big things is just like goal setting. And I think that's really similar in sports and business, whereas like, when I was in university, you learned to set goals. Like I need to be able to bench press like 275 pounds and to get in the gym and you, you work towards that goal. And then you have numbers and tangible results behind that. Or I want to have like a 35 inch vertical jump and you can do plyometrics and you can do squats and whatever to, to be able to reach those goals. Um, and I think in the, the business world, you find certain things that, and, and obviously the big goal at the end of the day is you want to win. Uh, and do all these things. You train personally, you work on your form, you work on uh, doing jumpers, you work on your athleticism and everything. Because um, the big thing is you want to win as a team and you want to do well personally on the court. So it's the same, I think, in the business world where you can choose certain goals uh, that you want to set. Like, I want to be able to sell this amount to these companies, or I want to be able to uh, build this relationship with this organization uh, to be able to help. Uh, build something specific um so i think uh, in the business world I, I try and set very specific goals and then you can like go and achieve them like uh, i helped raise a fund it was 25 million dollars and our goal is to raise over 25 million we raised 25.5 million dollars and that was like a goal and i just kind of used the same kind of laser focus and said hey this is what i need to focus on i'm going to do it and i spent two years raising this fund 
And uh, yeah, I'm super excited that we now have that, that fund operational, we can invest from it. Uh, but that's just like, it's just like in the world, uh, you essentially can, uh, create what you want. Like right. in the baseball world, unless you're like Rob Sacre, who you played against and you're seven feet tall, um, right. like you have to find ways to, to win over the competition. And uh, I think setting goals and, and working on things day to day and not just realizing like it doesn't happen overnight, it's consistently like, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis to get better? And then applying that to the real world, that's like, what's going to make you uh, successful. And I think I've done that in the business world over the last few years. And then, yeah, it's always when, when you lose that kind of focus and you don't know what you're working on, then you have to kind of re refocus. I remember that's uh, something they, we always used to say at, at Capilano. Right. I think what you said too, which is so key that people may either not know about or may forget about, or maybe I've never learned is those tangibles. The fact that it's measurable, the fact that it's really specific. I know I've seen that this multiple times, I'm sure where you kind of set up these broad goals and you have this general idea of where you want to get to, but because it's not specific, because it's not measurable, you can't really know whether you achieved it or not. You can say that you've progressed towards it, but until you, it's very, you can look at these, like you said, a weight room is such a great analogy because it's yeah. so measurable. You can say by the exact weight, you can say by the exact time, the exact whatever amount of inches, centimeters of, of a vertical jump. And you can know exactly where you're at, exactly where you need to go and how, and those the kind of point A to point B, what you need to do to get there. When we set goals, if we don't make it specific, I tell my clients on the time, the first meeting, we always set target goals. Like, where do you want to be at the end of this process? And if that's not specific, our energy kind of goes in all these different directions. Like, we, we, we'll probably progress and we'll get better. But we won't be as, not motivated, but as in tune to reach those targets because we haven't made them tangible. We haven't made them measurable. And that's so key. Yeah. Yeah. And because the mind, you define mentally, like, what you're going to do. Right. And- that's, that's when you make the major strides. If you're just going to say, oh, like, it's like the people who s- sit around like at lunchtime and they just shoot baskets for fun and they wait to wear jeans and they're just right. their friends versus someone who's doing drills in the gym and is like, has a very intentional focused workout and has a goal. Like I want to shoot net nine out of 10 from the baseline or whatever it is. So having those goals, I think is really important and something that's man- uh, measurable and, and you can see. So like each time did I get better? Because because right when you're trying to like consistently grow over time, whether it's in business and you're trying to grow, like, like, let's say like, like I've also done a lot of sales uh, in, in our, in, in our company. And I'm saying like, when I was getting started, like prospecting large corporations, it's like you would reach out to like a hundred people and then you get maybe like a handful of them that respond or talk to you. Right. So you have to be able to deal with that rejection over and over again. I think that's something that, uh, you learn a lot in sports is like you, you, it, I, I feel like when I, I lose the game, that's when I get upset and uh, I want to be better. And, and that's really like, I think where you can learn the most. So it's, it's like um, when you have that competitive aspect to it. That's really cool. You're building up to the, to the next subjects. I love it. You're setting me up perfectly, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's really cool that you say that about losses. It, it's we, we've had this, 
like well, like we reminisced a little bit just because I knew that if we would start reminiscing, man, we we would do an hour of reminiscing. We wouldn't have time for anything else. We're, we're more than capable of that. On and off the court, I miss reminiscing. Um, <laughs> no doubt, man. We're we're gonna do it more often. Um, like every a lot of the ball guys I've had on, like Blake, Forbes <clears throat> that you know, and and I've had Jason Siggers, who's a six man of the year out here in Israel. Both of them, and 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 probably many others that I can't remember right now. When I asked about reminiscing about their highlights of their careers, they would bring up losses, you know, yeah. which is really counterintuitive in a way, but they would bring up losses because just like you said, they say that losses have the biggest learning curve, have the biggest, you know, impact on their career, more so than, than championships or wins, because they've taught me something new that I would have never learned had I not gone through that. And it's so cool to hear you say that, like, through losses in basketball, through the quote-unquote failure, I've grown, you know, you've grown to be able to do these, these big-time actions that you're taking now in business. No, it's, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's the mindset. When you're a competitive person, when you lose, it's just like you want to do whatever you can to win. Right. And, uh, yeah, I remember, like, when, when you guys beat me when I was at Argyle or when I got cut from the provincial team, like, when you guys all made it when I was going to grade 11, I remember those times. And I'm like, my best season was grade 12. In high school, my best season was grade 12 because I got, I think it was because I got cut from the provincial team and I just went to the gym and trained like every single day. And I said, listen, I want to, I want to win. Uh, eventually we ended up losing because of this buzzer beater. But um, I remember when I was in grade 12, like I led the, the league in points and rebounds in, in the North Shore. Right. And that, that was, I think, because, yeah, I focused a lot on, training and like people never would have predicted that like grade nine or 10 that I would be like the number one in points and rebounds. Um, but um, I think, I think just, uh, yeah, those losses are, are definitely the best times to, to really learn from. Mm -hmm. It's just a great concept. I, I recently listened to this Kobe quote about it, that it's like the concept of failure is man-made. Like there is no failure. It only becomes failure when you stop working at it. If I fail on Monday and I use a Tuesday as motivation, how is it failure? It's all about the context that I give it. If failure creates motivation, it's a successful thing. It's a positive thing. It's up to me how I respond to it. If I work, if I lose on Monday and I work on Tuesday and on Wednesday, I give up and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's when it becomes a failure. But that's completely and 100% up to me. At any point, I can use it as motivation to get better, to grow um that's really cool yeah no i think and i think um too much success builds complacency if you're always right and you you every single time you win like you probably aren't dealing with the right competition right so i i totally believe that that that's that's a very uh deep quote sean <laughs> thanks to, to kobe rest in peace um that's that's really true you know that that this whole concept of I think I, I posted a story about this recently about um, to challenge ourselves, to find those places where we feel uncomfortable. It was talking about imposter syndrome. Like if we have no place in our lives where we feel imposter syndrome, we're probably just not challenging ourselves enough. Like we need that, that area in life where we're challenging, where we're scared, where we feel like imposters in order to grow. Because if we're always in our comfort area, if we're always comfortable, will never really bring that, that um, potential out of ourselves. Like, you know, the environment won't be challenging enough 
to bring that hidden potential that we have within us. I couldn't agree more. Those are wise words. I don't know what else I can say. You should, I just want to listen to you preach, Sean. <laughs> you know, this is such great energy, man. Like, I missed you, man. We, we got to talk more often. Um, yeah, so we, like you touched on it too, about the competitive aspect. Like, how did that competition kind of translate from, you know, college ball to, to the high-tech world, to the business world? Like, where do you see it on your day-to-day? Yeah, well, I think also something they, they talk about in Silicon Valley is like something called co-opetition, right? So if you're in an environment, like let's say there's like 10 tech companies and everyone's doing the same thing in their, their tech startup or company and the other companies are just going to make you better, right? Because if when you know that there's competition out there, that you'll do whatever you can to win. That uh, Otherwise, like if you're just, sh- if, if I'm shooting with you, and we're going head to head and there's, there's a competitive aspect on it, then we're going to shoot much better. Or like, even if, let's say you're golfing and you bet someone money when you're golfing, you're going to be way more focused if you have something on the line and you actually like are, are competitive about it. So I think, uh, yeah, having, having that comp- competitive aspect is something that I think that's one of my biggest strengths. I did actually this like survey of like your strengths and, one of my biggest strengths was that I was a competitive person. So, um, and I think that's, that's what, and you have to like in, in the world, in the business world and in the sports world, you have to like use your strengths to your advantage. So when, when someone like beats me, for example, in a game, then that's when I become really serious and I want to compete with them. Um, but otherwise, if I'm just shooting around by myself, I can become lackadaisical. Yeah. I think being here in Silicon Valley, when there's so many people that are doing serious things, always competing, I mean, that's, that's why this area is the best for the biggest tech companies in the world because uh, there's just so many people and, and everyone wants to be the best. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, those, are, those are some interesting things. You also talked about imposter syndrome earlier. I thought imposter syndrome is, is also really interesting because it's also like a lot of people here in Silicon Valley, it's like you fake it till you make it. The number right. Some of them may be, be good. They may not have the right technology, but they can go and build it. And it's like, uh, eventually, like no one knows everything in the beginning, but uh, some people can figure out how to execute behind it. Like, obviously don't mislead anyone, but at the end of the day, like you have to be confident that you can go and build it. And then a lot of the best founders will will say they can do that. And then they'll go and build it in the background. They'll get the investment. And they're thinking like three, four steps ahead of where they actually are. So having that type of vision and, uh, and confidence, I think is, is super important. And I think, uh, that's also something you can apply that comes from the world of basketball. I think there's so many like uh, similarities between basketball and the business world. So that's right. why it's an easy transition for me. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, from UBCO, it's also, you're talking about that injury and it's interesting. I, I really, I really truly believe in this, that it's funny how life works. Like we got our puzzle and, and every injury and every downfall and every failure has such a unique and important part of it's such an unique and important part puzzle piece of that puzzle because it has its own timing and it has its own meaning and purpose like that injury allowed you maybe to you know do different things on the business side and on the education side that we all know as college athletes we may not be doing if if we're just playing ball all day right um 
I could, my, my mom couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> my mom, my mom was there like when I, when I broke my ankle right before, and, and I was super down. I mean, when, when you break your ankle right before a season, you're moving to a new city and you're looking forward to that. You're training all year. I mean, that was really hard. Um, and, uh, my mom said, she's like, I didn't think you were going to graduate from university. Cause like, you were so upset about this. And mm. obviously, uh, I ended up graduating with really high grades and I, I just kind of had that, took that time and I reevaluated my life, um, and what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, I, I ended up being really serious about work and not just like playing basketball and like having fun on the weekends, but like going right. and, and, uh, actually studying and, and making sure that I do well in all my classes. And, and, uh, that was, that was actually like really a blessing in disguise. And it made me reevaluate like what I wanted and, I got to talk to a lot of other people who were in business and stuff in my classes and spend more, way more time than I normally would have with them. And yeah, definitely changed my, my perspective on, on everything. That's really cool. Yeah. Just the timing of everything. And, uh, and you said about um, like in Silicon Valley and I think in life, like I've, I've learned, I used to have, I guess I used to not like this concept, but I've kind of learned how it works along my path, this concept of like fake it till you make it. Um, and, and how I describe it is just the way we relate to ourselves, like the way we relate to ourselves is what we'll get in our environment. You know, if, and this fake it to make, I used to not like it because I'd be like, what, but you're like lying to people or you're lying to yourself or whatever, but no, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position of whatever it is you want to be, whether it be in, in technology and startups or in ball or in professional sports or in education, whatever it may be. You're putting yourself in a position where you're already that. You relate to yourself as if you've already made it. And now call it whatever you want, like, like the divine or God or the universe. The energies kind of align, not kind of, every single time to give you whatever it is that you believe. Like, like things will start happening to line up with whatever that belief system is that you have with yourself. And that's the way I see like fake it till you make and this whole imposter syndrome that like I, for years, I, I would be against it. But now I think realizing it through action, through doing it, through evidence I've seen in the field, like the power that it has about how we relate to ourselves at the end of the day. Yeah, it's true. Because there's a lot of people that are faking it till they make it and they end up being super successful. And, and I mean, for, for me, like, do you ever think I'd be like a world-class tech investor or supply chain? I, mean, I, I had a feeling, I had a, I had a hunch. <laughs> Like back in college, I, I don't think you could have. No, but it's amazing what you've done. I'm not. It's no small feat, and I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. So 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 I think I think what it was is it was kind of like that in the beginning where I was just focusing all my energy on this, and then when you focus on something that you know you want to do that, and you you kind of hit that sweet spot, then you can really just fake it till you make it, and you will eventually make it because like you just keep learning and learning and learning, and then you get better every day and. Um, there's certain things like, like it obviously doesn't happen overnight. Like you can't just show up to whatever work and just like, you have to be a doctor and say, Oh, I'm a doctor, even though I've never studied medicine. Right. If you really want to be a doctor, like go and get your degree, go study, go to university. Like you can do it. But sometimes it's just a matter of time before you can accomplish those things. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that's a great point. You can't just be like, I have this role now and then go about life expecting to receive this role the other side of things that's that's just as important as taking action and, and that's basketball right it's like right. 
it's like we didn't just go and play the best players every day and the best uh, just just because we, we believed we could do it all of a sudden. It's because we right. put it the time we practice for hours and hours every day and uh, we sacrifice to be able to get there. So right. those are the things that, yeah, we definitely learned a lot from basketball. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I love what you said about like the accumulation of, of little actions every day like just not expecting it to happen overnight, having patience and knowing that it takes time to, to get this process done. But if I work towards it every day, no matter how small of an action I may take, it's uh, exponential, right? Like this action will build on top of the next action, will build on top of that action. And all of a sudden it'll start growing and I'll start seeing a major difference in my life. But if I just sit there and be like, okay, I'm faking until I'm making it. I'm a doctor, I'm a ball player, I'm a... I'm a tech investor. I'm the, I'm the best there ever was. And I watch Netflix all day. Like nothing's going to happen. Um, I always say, I love this sentence. I always say it's one of my favorite quotes is uh, like action is the cure-all. Like action is the cure to every, you know, whatever quote unquote failure or disease that, you know, not physical, that challenges we may face. You know, does this, what action can I take to better this situation? And that's 100% up to me. That's not dependent on anything external, on any environment, on any person. That's up to me to do the work and figure out, like, how can I better this situation? What can I do to move towards my goals? And it's not taking these giant steps. It's just incremental and, and grows on top of one another. And then it's you move true. towards it. And, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying, like, you can do anything in the world you set your mind to. Like, when I was a kid, I dreamed of playing in the NBA. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And... I'm sure you probably wanted to make the NBA yourself. Right. Um, so like, that was always my dream. And, and I realized like a certain time, like all I, I dedicated my life to basketball when I was young uh, in, in high school and uh, a little bit in college, I got just a little bit distracted in college from all the fun uh, things we did <laughs> on the weekends, but uh, I, still, I still did a lot of studying and, and it was a really valuable experience. But then eventually realized like, hey, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I'm not going to make the NBA, but I did everything I could and I made it far in basketball because I had this big kind of stretch goal. So I think it's good to have these big, like shoot for the moon, land on the stars type of ambitions. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, look at basketball, like it paid for all my university. I had scholarships the whole time. It got me a UBC degree, right. uh, it helped me get connected to entrepreneurship and eventually moved to Silicon Valley. And uh, it really changed my life. So I, I mean, it's something that uh, I think is significant. And I think it's just kind of being able to go after what I wanted and, and following my passions and, and focusing on that. That uh, and, and that can change over time. Like it doesn't have to be basketball your whole life. I don't think it can always, it can always change based on your maturity, what age you are, et cetera. Right. No doubt. I love, the, I love what you said too about the, the importance of focus. Um, to like not all of us have it built in to to have this laser focus like you said we could be the most focused individuals in one area and then the most not aloof but the least focused individuals in the sense where maybe we're kind of all over the map like we're still very motivated but maybe it's not directed as much as we would like it to be um what helps you with that day-to-day focused and kind of noticing maybe when you lose it bringing it back on track and kind of sticking to the path that you've uh, you started yeah I think the thing over the years because I'm not saying I'm perfect I go through periods where I'm not as focused I go through periods where I'm laser focused 
Um, and I think right now I'm kind of in a refocusing period is that um, at the end of the day is that uh, you, you choose your goals. And like when I actually, you actually write it out and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I think that for me is the thing that has helped me the most. And I started doing that like when I was in, in college, like I would write out, this is my personal goal. This is what I want to do personally. This is my athletic goal, like whatever it is, like on the bench press or, or athletically. And then this is my school goal. And I would try and have like uh, one of these goals uh, and I would write these goals out and every month I would reevaluate this. I'd give like, okay, check mark, I got this. And I'd write uh, the, the day I wanna do this. And I'd also write my year goals. And then nowadays I'd write like five-year goals. I wanna do this, I wanna make this much money. I wanna uh, do this. So uh, basically I think having goals in those key areas of your life um, are really important. And, and yeah, there's certain things that I think are really important to humans. Like there's a book from Stanford University, my friend recommended. Uh, to me that uh, that a lot of these they give to a lot of the students at Stanford MBA program and Stanford's MBA program and essentially they talk about the things that are important in everyone's life are love which you can get from your friends family uh, relationships uh, marriage whatever uh, then you can also uh, you have to have fun in your life and entertainment you have to have health and then you have to have a career so those are the things that the kind of the four pillars. And I, I really believe in that. So I think having nowadays like goals in those four areas, like if, if one area is down, you want to focus on improving in that area. Right. Uh, like for example, like the worst one is health. Like when, when I broke my ankle, when I've had like concussions before, when I've had like different injuries, I mean, those are like, those are the worst when you don't have your health, then, I mean, like none, none of the other stuff really matters, but I mean, all those areas that kind of complement each other. So I think there's, it's important to have balance. And I don't think, and according to this book, you don't have to always like focus. You can't focus like all the time on your health, but you might have to focus on your health for a few months if you're rehabbing an injury and making that right. a number of focus. But if you don't have balance in those areas, like I was talking to a, a, a friend uh, just today, actually, and he was telling me how anxious he was about everything. There's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, what I was telling him is like, you have to have like, uh, like things you're working on every single day. Like, did you work out today? Right. Uh, have, are you eating healthy? Are you getting sleep? Like, are you dealing, have good personal relationships? So I think like, those are things that on a day-to-day -day basis, um, if you manage that, those will definitely help. Um, but I think those are kind of the four things that I, I need to reevaluate actually my goals. Cause I, 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 I that's one of the things I was about to do. Um, but I've, I've been doing that. I did that actually at the beginning of COVID. It was like, I was sitting here in Silicon Valley and I was like, a lot of my friends, people I grew up with are all in Canada, elsewhere, you're in Israel. And uh, I was sitting here. I had a few close friends I made from work. Um, and I'm just sitting in this place here. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I had a lot of time to reflect and think and mm -hmm no one really wants to hang out or whatever. And for the beginning of COVID, I was very like antisocial because I'm like, I don't want to get COVID. I didn't know what this disease was. And so, yeah, I did a lot of this stuff like reevaluating, re goal setting, et cetera. Um, I ended up uh, going back to Vancouver for quite a uh, period of COVID as well. And realizing that I wanted to be closer to family and see family more often. And that was really like rewarding uh, to, to go and back, see some old right. friends. Uh, to see my family um, and just realizing now I can go back to Vancouver whenever it's a two hour right. flight. Um, no, holding. It's not a big deal, but yeah. um, 
but yeah, that's something I need to do is, is kind of reevaluate again. Cause, cause when you get caught in, in every day, uh, then, then it's hard to figure out uh, the time to uh, focus your life and your goals. Cause for me, that's, that's when I'm the most successful is when I actually map out right on my board, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then I go and do it and I monitor it. Um, and, and yeah, that's actually something I'm going to start doing more again. Cause right. I'm trying to refocus as well right now. Like that balance for sure. And I think what's great and what you're willing, you were willing to do and are willing to do and the way I know you, you, you've always been willing to do is, is look at like what needs improvement right now. Like where am I lacking balance? Where maybe in one of these four pillars am I lacking right now? And I got to kind of bring that up to par in order to be the most effective version that I can be. I think sometimes we're so maybe laser focused on certain things like our career, our relationship and whatever holding that above water for some people that we forget about our health or about our, our fun and I know I had that for for the beginning when I started building this coaching business where I'm like from the second I'd wake up to the second I go to bed I'm so focused on like post and, and marketing and and creating you know a buzz and, and working with clients and that like I forgot to have a life man like I was just working you know like whatever 12 14 hours a day trying to build this thing it was so off balance. It could never work, man. I could, I could be working so hard and whatever, so effectively, but without that balance, without that fun part, without that health part, without that relationship part, like nothing's going to move. It's constantly going to be kind of like stuck in the mud because I don't have that balance. And we got to be willing to look at those things that aren't working and be willing to do something about it. Cause if we just kind of play it off and say like, no, I'm good. I want to get this done. I want to get this done. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. It's always going to be like swimming upstream. Yeah. And, and also like if you just focus on like your work or you're your studying all day at the end of the day, I mean, and then you sacrifice your personal relationships, you sacrifice other things that are important. You maybe you sit uncomfortably in a chair, you're hunched over all day, you sacrifice your health, right. you don't work out. Um, so, I mean, you have to, for, if you're sacrificing for a while, you can't just make sure those other things get out of whack. You so, so like at all times, I think, and I'm not a perfect example. Like I go through periods where I've done way too much of whatever, like um, way too much having fun, way too much uh, focusing on my health, like my health when I'm recovering from an injury or just um, uh, whatever, whatever it is. But I think having those things, especially when your life is good, just evaluating that and how can I always improve and monitor it? Because uh, it's not normally not until something like we, we said, when you lose something, exactly. then you have to like, reevaluate these things. Exactly. Sometimes we wait on something negative to happen to do this work where it's like, why not do our homework? Why not do this work ahead of time and be prepared for these things to happen rather than have something negative happen and then be like, oh, I got to change something. Like, why not do this work ahead of time? It's a lot of thing with coaching. I'm sure in a lot of like advising type roles where it's like, People wait for an issue to come up to start dealing with it. Why not do the work beforehand? No, it's true. It's, it's hard to do that. Uh, like, like I said, like I'm a competitive person. So whenever I lose something, that's when I normally just like, I, I go into overdrive and I just like crush it on all these other areas. But, but no, it's like, ideally you can find ways every single day you motivate yourself and that's why it's good to have people like when we and you were growing up, like we'd call each other all the time and, and motivate each other and say like, yo, you need to get in the gym. You need to train. Like, I'd be right. like Sean, you're skinny. Like you need to work that's on your, that's, good. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like you got to get some shots up or whatever it is. And then, 
Um, that was really motivational. And I think having people in your life at the same goals, you work together and you hold each other accountable. I think that's also like really important, uh, whether you're doing sports, business or whatever it is. Right. No doubt. I got I to gotta end out here in a minute, but uh, we're definitely going to do part two. We're going to schedule. We're going to do part two. I got these questions that we always end up on, but I'm not even going to do it right now because I want to have another one of these. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do part two, and we're going we're gonna to end it off with those questions next time. But uh, it's been a pleasure, man. And, and honestly, like, I'm already going to take the chance to, to acknowledge you for everything you've done, man. It's, it's been a pleasure to watch. And when you came out here and hanging out, you know, face-to-face and everything that we've been through on the come up with, with college and, and beyond. Um, it's not a given, man. And it's, it's in a, it's uh, it speaks to your work ethic and your willingness to grow and your competitive nature and not being, not being willing to take no for an answer. And it's fun to see, man. It's great to have, it's great to have you as a friend and it's fun to see. Yeah, dude, I, I miss you a lot. And uh, no, I, when yeah we need to do way more of these uh, me and you could talk like this for for hours and hours and i hate talking over zoom like this but i, I get a lot of energy just catching up with you and, and it's a conversation that i th- think is really important because it's talking about your life and goals and i mean i can i can always talk about this stuff but i don't do it enough that's all for this episode of the school of performance thank you for joining us all the way to the end We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you took something away from this episode to your own lives, I urge you to share this episode with your followers or with anyone that this conversation can add value to. Thank you for joining us. Have an amazing day. And we'll see you on the next episode of The School of Performance.